she matter? She deserved better. The unanswered questions from relatives of the victims of the Gastown Hotel fire. Plus, it's a terrible thing and um, the last thing you would ever expect. After an arson attack forced him to flee, how a Ukrainian Catholic priest was welcomed back to his parish today. It's probably a little faster of a course now and yeah, can't complain about changes. And the changes to Canada's largest running event as the Vancouver Sun Run returns after a two-year pandemic pause. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. The family of one of two people found dead in the rubble of last Monday's fire in Gastown has tough questions about what led to the tragedy. Mary Ann Garlow has been identified as the woman discovered in the ruins on Friday as crews began demolishing the gutted out Winters Hotel. Amadagahi has our top story. Just shocking disbelief. How did this happen? When Misty Fredericks heard the tragic news from a cousin that her aunt had died after a fire, she immediately realized what had happened. And I knew exactly the fire he was talking about because I knew my auntie is in the downtown east side. It was April 11th when fire badly damaged the Winters Hotel, a Vancouver SRO housing 71 tenants. Initially, the property management company called Atira had ensured that all of those living in the building had been accounted for. But as crews began the demolition of the unsafe structure, two bodies were discovered. One a young man in his 20s, the other 62-year-old Marianne Garlow. This resident says she tried to capture the attention of demolition crews because she claims to have known both were missing. I stood in front of this gate <laughs> the day before yesterday with a big sign saying investigate because we know there's people with Mary's picture and told them they had to look. I pointed out where her room was. Uh, that's two count now, so the, the question begs, is there more? The demolition deemed absolutely necessary by city staff has paused for now since the discovery of the bodies. The Vancouver Fire Rescue Service and Atira both unavailable for an interview Sunday. Misty Frederick says her Aunt Mary lived with an adult son named Johnny. He escaped the fire by jumping from the building and is now hospitalized. Uh, what will happen to him? Where will he go from here? Who's going to take care of him? The circumstances surrounding the fire, the status of the sprinklers in the building, and now the decision to start demolition with bodies inside, all questioned by grieving tenants and families. These people matter. My auntie mattered. My auntie was a daughter and a mother and a sister and an auntie and a survivor. And, and she, she mattered. She deserved better. We deserve some answers. Imadagahi, Global News. After his family was forced to flee their Vancouver Island home during a midnight arson earlier this week, a Ukrainian Catholic priest returned to his parish today to give Sunday prayer service amid overwhelming support from the community. Kristen Robinson reports. With his home next door boarded up after an arson attack days earlier, Father Yuri Vishnevsky leads a Sunday prayer for Ukraine at Victoria's St. Nicholas Catholic Parish. The Lord 
At the end of the day, he's the one that brings life. Supported by some 100 parishioners. His tone was a little off, you know, yeah. emotional. He just hoped that uh, whoever did it is thinking about how horrible it was for the family. It was hell. Just after midnight on April 20th, the Ukrainian priest and his family awoke to someone pouring gas through their mail slot. Vizhnevsky's wife and three daughters forced to jump from a window to escape the flames. His 11-year-old's arm cut by shattered glass. What exactly happened and, and also why? Victoria police are investigating the arson and looking to speak with a potential witness who drove past the scene on Caledonia Avenue in a light-colored crossover vehicle moments before the fire was set. I can find a word to describe how can be such a evil to be in this world. Just horrendous that the hatred has spread all the way to Vancouver Island. New parishioners joining regulars to line up in solidarity with the priest who was targeted in his home as Russia's invasion of Ukraine enters its third month. Fortunate to see people, how people are reacting of that. And it was horrible what happened. In my mind, it's an insane act of a de deranged, misguided soul. So many questions as the search for a suspect continues. It's so bad, it's awful. It is really, really awful, but you know, there's good people out there and we're all together. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Police in North Vancouver are looking for witnesses after shots were fired at a home overnight this weekend. RCMP received multiple reports of gunshots being fired at a house in the 400 block of East 11th Street at about 3 o'clock this morning. Officers did not find anyone with injuries nor any evidence anyone had been hit by bullets. But the targeted residence is known to police and has been the subject of numerous reports related to drugs, violence and other offences in recent months. Witnesses reported seeing two people leave the scene in a vehicle right after the shooting. Witnesses reported a vehicle seen leaving uh, the location and that vehicle is described as a newer model white coloured Toyota RAV4 type vehicle. Uh, and that was seen leaving southbound on Moody from East 11th. And we're asking anyone with any kind of uh, video footage, CCTV, dash cam footage that may have captured the incident or captured that vehicle as it fled, please do get in touch with us. We are aware of this, this uh, residence. We're aware of people who are associated to this residence. And, uh, you know, we collectively as a group here on the North Shore, as, uh, uh, as our partners do throughout the Lower Mainland, we say an absolute no to this kind of reckless endangerment of the public. RCMP are working with other police agencies to see if it's connected to other lower mainland shootings in recent weeks, but there's no indication it's connected to the ongoing gang conflict. Fire has damaged a decades-old church on Highway 37 in northwest B.C. The Usk Pioneer Chapel, northeast of Terrace, says firefighters were called out early Friday to save the church from a malicious act of vandalism. There is a hole in the top of the chapel where the fire burned a cross inside. The Thornhill Fire Department says the church is still standing thanks to quick action from a local resident who fought the flames with a fire extinguisher. RCMP have found no evidence of accelerants and say there is no indication the fire is suspicious. Usk is a hamlet off Highway 16 on the north bank of the Skeena River. The original Usk church on the north side of the Skeena was damaged beyond repair in the 1936 flood.
1967, the Terrace Christian Reformed Church built the Ask Pioneer Wayside Chapel along the Stuart Cassiar Highway. An overnight fire has destroyed a Langley restaurant that was undergoing renovations. 20 firefighters fought the blaze, which broke out around midnight at the El Greco restaurant. Crews were able to bring the flames under control within an hour, but not before smoke blanketed the area. Crews, uh, upon approaching the scene, they noticed a, a large column of uh, smoke uh, and a lot of flame coming from the rear of the building. Uh, we had uh, three trucks or three halls respond. Uh, we had Otter, we had Aldergrove, and we had Maryville halls respond, total of 19 firefighters. No injuries have been reported, but the fire has been deemed suspicious. A scandal that forced the resignation of an Okanagan Mission secondary school football coach has finally come to light. Back in December, the school administration received reports of undue influence by coach Johannes Van Leenen. It's alleged the coach was rewarding certain players for leadership and performance with incentives like expensive dinners and payment for work, which may or may not have occurred. Coach Van Leenen resigned at the time and BC School of Sports launched an investigation. Now the BC School of Sports found what it describes as one of the most brazen and unthinkable displays of complete disregard for the spirit of school and amateur sport it has ever seen. It also uncovered that Coach Van Leenen allegedly allowed an out-of-town player to use his address so he could train and practice with the OKM team and that Van Leenen allegedly used two overage and ineligible players in a game against Salmon Arm. They've increased our fine to $1,000. They've increased our probation period to two full years where we have to be absolutely squeaky clean. Um, we now have a ban on our football program, has a ban on postseason play next year, which means for the fall season, we are eligible to play uh, during the season, but we are not eligible to play in wildcard games or playoff games. Um, and the, uh, the sanctions against Mr. Van Leenen have been extended in that he is not allowed to uh, reapply for reinstatement of his coaching uh, duties in anywhere in British Columbia for uh, five years. The school principal addressed the issues via a Zoom meeting with parents and staff. Okanagan Mission Secondary has not replaced Van Leenen as coach yet, so the spring football season at the school is also not going to happen. Starting Monday, more travel restrictions will ease for those re-entering the country. Regardless of vaccination status, children age 5 to 11 will no longer need a negative COVID-19 test, so long as they're with a fully vaccinated guardian. And fully vaccinated travelers will also no longer need to provide a quarantine plan upon arrival. But as Global's Marnie Blunt reports, experts are still urging travelers to take precautions. More and more people taking to the sky as COVID-19 restrictions continue to ease. It's nice to be able to travel again and, and do things with your family after being home for two years. And come Monday, traveling in and out of the country is set to get a bit easier for some, with restrictions loosening again. Welcome news for Erica Suderman and her family. She and her husband traveled to Mexico in March, while testing requirements were still in effect for returning to Canada a reason why they left their two children at home. I think the reason we didn't take the kids was because I didn't want to have to worry about them, you know, getting COVID and having to test and come home. And my kids don't like taking a test. So it was just such a, you know, 
we didn't want to take them for that reason. Travel agencies also welcoming the news and they expect to see another uptick in Canadians traveling. That pre-flight test has been expensive and it's also been a hassle with this round of restrictions being eased. That's really where I notice a lot more families excited to, to start to travel. But fewer barriers for travelers can also mean fewer barriers for transmission of the virus. Remember that the more that mandates and restrictions are dropped, the more that gives us the opportunity to be mobile, to get around, uh, to be around more people. And of course, that's what the virus likes. Epidemiologists say travelers should research both levels of restrictions and levels of risk at their vacation destination. And with the U.S. dropping mask mandates for air and train travel amid rising cases, now is the time to take extra precaution. I would strongly encourage people uh, to be wearing a, a well-fitted mask and to wear it consistently. And Suderman plans on doing just that, as she looks ahead to planning a trip to Mexico, this time for the entire family. I would definitely want our trip to be uh, COVID-free, so masking all the way. Marty Blunt, Global News, Winnipeg. Well, for even the most seasoned traveler, navigating the intricacies of the airport can sometimes be a challenge, but for new travelers, it can be almost overwhelming. In an effort to streamline the process, several organizations hosting an autism accessibility tour today. The tour provides an opportunity for people with autism and their families to rehearse the entire airport process. This includes checking in, going through security, and even boarding an aircraft for a simulated takeoff. For families like Catherine McPherson and her son Thomas, the tour is a game changer. Oh my gosh, I mean, this is huge because I've delayed traveling for over 10 years because I don't know how he's going to react and, you know, I don't know how the public's going to act. You know, if he has any, you know, frustrations or anxiety about getting on a plane. Many families have followed up with us after going on the tour let us know that they've been able to introduce their children to the grandparents for the first time or finally go on that trip to Disneyland they've always wanted to go on. The Canucks Autism Network, Vancouver Airport Authority and Air North hosting the event for the first time since the pandemic. And still ahead, are some activists alienating their base? Why anti-old growth logging protesters in the Lower Mainland are coming under question? But first, how Orthodox Easter is being marked with celebrations scarred by war and division in Ukraine. To the war in Ukraine now. Sunday is a holy day for many across the war-torn country as they mark Orthodox Easter. But now, two months since the Russian invasion, it's a different kind of holiday. Global's Abigail Beeman reports. A subdued Orthodox Easter at churches throughout Ukraine. While Ukraine's president vowed wickedness would not destroy the country in an Easter message delivered in a 1,000-year-old Kyiv cathedral. Volodymyr Zelensky says the U.S. Secretary of State and Defense Secretary were to visit Kyiv Sunday, the first official visit by U.S. officials since Russia invaded, Ukraine calling for more weapons, money and sanctions. It's very important political symbol and a symbol of uh, uniting of the countries and politicians and nations. The biggest battle, Mariupol. Ukraine says civilians and soldiers are still holed up under the giant steel plant, now facing Russian bombs. And while humanitarian corridors so far have not been successful... Hundreds of people uh, were gathered uh, at one point to, to go out of Mariupol and uh, Russian soldiers just came and said no. 
We're not allowing this to happen. Sunday, Ukraine proposed a special round of negotiations in the city to discuss the fate of those trapped, while Russia has repeatedly denied killing civilians. Abigail Beeman, Global News, Washington. Emmanuel Macron has won his bid for re-election for the French presidency. Merci. Macron thanking thousands of supporters under the Eiffel Tower in Paris. He won the election with more than 58% of the vote, defeating his far-right challenger, Marine Le Pen. Macron acknowledges, rather, that a good number of the people who voted for him were not supporting his ideas, but rather trying to stop Le Pen. Turnout for the vote was the lowest it's been in 50 years. Details of the funeral for Montreal Canadiens legend Guy Lafleur were announced today. He will lie in state at the Bell Centre in Montreal on Sunday, May 1st and Monday, May 2nd. Any fans wishing to pay a final tribute are invited. A national funeral will then be held on Tuesday, May 3rd. National honours were also granted to Canadian stars Maurice Richard and Jean Belvaux when they died. And still ahead, activist actions under scrutiny. So it actually alienates those people who would be natural supporters. Is the message getting through? The questions about the effectiveness of anti-old growth logging traffic blockades. Plus, how a BC company is using satellite images to tell the story of the province's extreme weather events. With Save Old Growth was briefly hospitalized on the 24th day of a hunger strike to protest old growth logging. It's the same group whose members have stopped traffic across the Lower Mainland in recent weeks, aimed at highlighting their environmental message. But as Paul Johnson reports, some believe their actions are only alienating people from their cause. Wherever you sit on the state of old growth forests, there's still a good chance you'd be annoyed having to sit through this. Over the past few months, a group called Save Old Growth has bet big on a strategy of blocking key traffic arteries in the thick of rush hour to make their point. As far as pushing people's buttons, it's working. I got kids in the car that are sick. Get the f*** out of the road. But is inconveniencing people really a viable way to win their support? I think it's a disaster strategy for the environmentalists. Media strategist Bill Thielman has been involved in public affairs in B.C. for decades. If you want to stop old growth logging in B.C., you have to get the vast majority of public opinion on your side. Our tactics based on that incident won't change at all. Meet Zane Hawk, one of Save Old Growth's well-spoken young activists, who has no doubt their campaign of disruption is the way to go. Our belief is, as Martin, Martin Luther King said, that the purpose of direct action is to create tension in the community and to create drama in the community. So we talked to people from some of the more moderate environmental groups. They also had questions about the effectiveness of these tactics. But they did say this, given climate change and biodiversity loss, they understand why some young people would feel like they have to do things that are more radical. But recent polls in B.C. found that public opinion about old growth was already on the move in favor of more protection, meaning save old growth may very well be annoying many British Columbians who actually care a lot about trees. 
So it actually alienates those people who would be natural supporters, and it really alienates people who are already on the fence. Paul Johnson, Global News. The regional district of North Okanagan is hoping to reduce commercial food waste and landfills by adding hiking up the cost for disposal. The district will charge $260 next year, more than double the current price. 80 to 90 percent of what ends up in landfills is said to be food waste from large grocers and processing facilities. The regional government aims to phase in the higher landfill fees, and they could start applying to restaurant food waste as early as July of 2023. And still ahead, the Vancouver Sun Run returns with a new route. What's different after a two-year pandemic hiatus and how many turned out? That's next. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Well, some sympathy this weekend for tens of thousands of residents in southern Manitoba as a powerful spring storm hammered the region over the past 24 hours, causing flooding and knocking out utilities for many. In Winnipeg, people woke up to streets and yards overtaken by water, flooded out basements, and in some cases, vehicles underwater. Traffic has been severely hampered with multiple roads closed and drivers stranded. Outside the city, wet, heavy snow has downed power lines and left some people unable to leave their homes. Yikes, of course, our thoughts are with those who are most impacted by that as we bring in meteorologist Yvonne Shell for a look at our local forecast where things are certainly much calmer. Yeah, a different weather picture, and they're mm. still actually tracking still some snowfall. So if you're traveling wow. with that region, uh, keep that in mind and check in with any of the flights as well. For us, the different weather picture, though, we managed to see some sunshine. Uh, it was perfect timing for the sun run this morning with dry conditions. We do have an increase in cloud cover, though, and we are tracking some rainfall, and it's just on our doorstep. We've already seen it for a few spots across the island. Temperatures are sitting at around uh, 16 degrees. We've got an easterly wind at 9 kilometers per hour. There's the moisture that is going to move across the region, so it is already across the island. We'll see that for the central regions and right along the Sunshine Coast, and that's what we're anticipating. It'll intensify for tonight and then take us in towards the morning hours, so anticipate a soggy start for back to work and school. Now, overnight tonight, temperatures will be at 8 degrees, but we do have some instability, and the concern for the morning hours is that we're actually even looking at the risk of thunderstorms. It'll be for the morning, and then it should taper off where we are just looking at a few isolated showers through the afternoon and highs tomorrow up to 12 degrees. This is the frontal system and weather maker that is moving across the region. It'll move along the south coast, so the heaviest rainfall overnight tonight and then work its way in towards the interior and we're also seeing some instability for the northeastern corners as well as the central interior tomorrow with even that risk of thunderstorms as well. So tomorrow morning we are going to see that wet start with that risk of thunderstorms should taper off with a bit of a lull in the action, especially as we get in towards the evening hours. It's the northeastern corner as well as the central regions that will be looking at that risk of thunderstorms. Areas along the coast will be seeing on and off showers and areas inland still getting into the double digits with terrace up to 11 degrees. Columbia and Kootenai will also be seeing that instability, risk of thunderstorms, and then areas towards the south of it will see a chance of showers, but it picks up towards the afternoon and the winds potentially tomorrow, anywhere with gusts between 50 and up to 60 kilometers per hour And those temperatures. Through the day today, we managed to get into the low 20s and we'll be into the upper teens for tomorrow with Kamloops even getting up to 19 degrees. Whistler tomorrow, highs up to 8 degrees. We are going to be tracking that rainfall, especially along the island. For the northern and central half, it'll be heaviest for the morning hours. 
western regions for Tofino will also see that instability with the risk of thunderstorms. So rainfall overnight tonight, risk of a thunderstorm for the morning hours should dry out, especially as we get in towards tomorrow night. Flip in the forecast on Tuesday and then some bright spots on Wednesday. It'll be on and off, but be prepared for the morning hours. We'll be tracking that rainfall and the risk of thunderstorms. Neethu? Okay, good to know. Thanks, Yvonne. A West Coast spring tradition finally returned after a COVID-19 break for the past two years. As Grace Key reports, a course change and pandemic safety measures did not deter tens of thousands of runners, walkers and wheelchair participants from the 38th annual Sun Run. After a two-year hiatus because of the pandemic, the Vancouver Sun Run was finally underway and runners couldn't have been more excited. There were some changes this year. The route had to be adjusted because of safety concerns with the bicycle lanes in the West End. Unfortunately, with concrete barriers and that, uh, the number of participants we have, uh, we just couldn't go through Stanley Park anymore and uh, just made for some changes. So we've got a, a new course and uh, we're making it work. For the first time, an electric car led the race, a 1976 converted Porsche 912. It was so that we could be closer to the participants and the runners because we have no emissions. We're full electric. And we're quiet. The largest running event in Canada did see a drop in numbers due to the pandemic from 43,000 in 2019 to 23,000 this year. Nathan DeWitt was the top 10K wheelchair racer. In the elite category, Olympian Lucas Bruchet from Vancouver came in first at 28 minutes and 29 seconds. And Leslie Sexton clocked in at 32.37 for women. You still got some, some good... Uh little grinds like uphill at uh, you know Burrard and then coming back up from fourth over to six so it's a uh, you know it's an honest course but it's a quick course for sure it's probably a little faster of a course now and yeah can't complain about the changes the shorter 2.5k mini sun run sees just as much competition this little one keeps a watchful eye on the competition before making a final dash to the finish line you are run run with daddy Others needed their blankie along the course, and a few a helping hand, or just to be carried. Zelda used a cargo walker for part of the route, not to be deterred when hitting a couple of obstacles along the way. She's learning how to walk. She likes walking. I figured it's a good opportunity for her to you know, cross the line. But it's stories like MJ Wheeler's that show what these runs are made of. In 1999, she was in a car accident. She suffered a brain injury and spent months in the hospital. I never thought she would walk again, and we worked together three days a week exercising. And we trained for a month for the sun run. Yeah. She showed everyone at the Vancouver Sun Run just what the human spirit is made of. We did it! Grace Key, Global News. Amazing. And at least one driver was apparently confused by the Sun Run route. A white pickup truck was captured on video trying to enter Quebec Street just north of Science World while the road was packed with runners. A witness says pedestrians stopped the truck from driving through the race. The driver reversed and then continued through to the Science World parking lot, driving across the grass and bike lanes into Olympic Village. Vancouver police say they did not have any information on the incident. Some West End residents also say they felt cut off this morning by route changes. New bike lanes on Beach Avenue forced the Sun Run to no longer use that stretch of road, while the Stanley Park section at the end has also been eliminated. You can see how that could be confusing. Late addition to the race, but he was in a truck, so yeah, it does exactly. not count. Doesn't count. <laughs> no kidding. All right, Barry, you are here for a preview of what's coming up in sports. What do you have for us? Well, at this moment, 
the Canucks are still uh, technically alive for a playoff spot, but that could change uh, by about 10 o'clock tonight. So if Vegas wins tonight, Canucks, you can officially knock them out of the playoff chase, but not from a lack of trying. We'll hear from uh, Bruce Boudreau just about uh, how his team has battled so hard over these past few months. And we've got more dazzling goals from Connor Bedard, the uh, North fan, 16-year-old, who lit it up in the Western League, and he's starring for Canada over in Germany at the World Under-18 Hockey. So that's coming up as well. All right, Canucks fans holding on to hope there. Thanks, Barry. (laughs) And also coming up tonight on the NewsHour, teaching tricks of the trade. It's a good chance for us to share um, some of our knowledge and pick up some knowledge. A look at the training for firefighters across BC in the Okanagan, getting ready for wildfire season. This May, join me for the BC Cancer Foundation's Workout to Conquer Cancer. Sign up on your own or as a team, and let's move every day this May and help change cancer outcomes. Register today at workouttoconquercancer.ca. Company is using maps and data to tell the story of last year's natural disasters that beset the province. Spark Geo Consulting tells a story starting with last summer's heat dome that helped set the conditions for a severe fire season in the BC interior, burning more than 8,600 square kilometers of forest. But it's when Spark Geo maps those fires that you can see the impact. Formerly green areas turned brown by flames, with the most hard-hit areas mapped in red. From there, the company draws a line to the fall floods when an atmospheric river soaked the south coast. Many hillsides scarred by fire gave way, wiping out the highways below and cutting off communities. Landscapes are changing and our climates are changing and how these things are colliding. And, and because British Columbia is such a... Um, you know, has such a vibrant geography, a vibrant physical geography, that really these things kind of clash in our province. And, um, and, and we're subject to it and individuals are subject to it. But we wanted to be able to start telling that story so uh, the rest of the world conceivably could, could start understanding that too. Meantime, firefighters from across the province are preparing for the upcoming wildfire season at a weekend training exercise in Penticton. Several controlled burns were set on Campbell Mountain to help them gain practical experience. Global's Victoria Famia reports. The yearly program allows the opportunity for both structural and wildland firefighters to receive both hands-on and in-class training. And the program has had much success over the last several years. We probably doubled in size since the last event, which is pretty cool to see. There's a lot of planning that goes on, so having a big turnout is pretty, pretty sweet. The hands-on training portion of the course allowed the 300-plus firefighters to work together on a controlled burn, and the goal was to learn new tactics and prepare themselves in the event of an interface fire. This training is really critical in integrating the wildland knowledge with the structure protection knowledge, so it it produces uh, more efficient, effective, and uh, safer firefighters. Uh, We're going to be working together uh, in this environment uh, for the foreseeable future. This is the last year Penticton is expected to host a training event. Each year moving forward, firefighters will travel to different parts of the province to better understand different climates. Working um, in different areas, obviously fire behavior is different depending on um, what part of the province you're working in. So being able to work around in different, in different uh, fuel types and different climates, um, you'll definitely build a better skill set in terms of firefighting. 
BC Wildfire says they would like to grow the program and attract more firefighters from across the province going forward. Victoria Femia, Global News in Penticton. All right, Barry's back with the full sports cast after this break. And later, a BC artist's work travels across Canada. It feels amazing. It's a little overwhelming at that time. The one creation this prominent Coast Salish artist says is having the biggest influence and why. Get your body moving this May. BC Cancer Foundation's Workout to Conquer Cancer challenges British Columbians to move every day in May while raising vital funds in support of British Columbians facing cancer. Register today as an individual or team at workouttoconquercancer.ca. Don't miss the incredible opportunity to see Elton John on his final tour. With shows now both on October 21st and 22nd, catch the iconic performer playing a spectacular stadium show at BC Place for his farewell Yellow Brick Road tour. Our BC is brought to you in part by the Salvation Army's Transform, an evening of philanthropy to rebuild Vancouver's downtown east side. All right, Barry's here for the full sports cast and Canucks fans, as we said, hanging on to hope. Uh, yeah, they're going to need just a little more than hope, I think. <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, it's, uh, the odds are very tiny right now, but hey, you never know. The uh, Canucks have certainly emptied the tank down the stretch. Give them credit for that. But they could officially be eliminated from the playoffs tonight if Vegas beats the San Jose Sharks. Anything less and the Canucks live to play another day. The situation is this. Vancouver must win its last three. Dallas must lose its last three, all in regulation. And the Vegas Golden Knights can only pick up three points in their final four games, which would include a head-to-head -head matchup against Dallas. So if all of that happens, the Canucks are in. Easy, right? Well, they gave it a valiant effort, but having to play must-win hockey for four and a half months is grueling to say the least, and it caught up to the Canucks, especially this week. Not to make excuses, but it, it is difficult, you know, um, to get up and emotionally up for every game. It's what, make the, what makes the playoffs special because you can do it for short periods of time. But, uh, we've had to do it every single game, and uh, uh, sometimes it, it works, and sometimes, you know, you get the inconsistencies, and, uh, but it'll make them better for next year for sure. I mean, uh, they'll know the consistency that they have to go from day one to day 82. NHL today, Oilers in Columbus, Edmonton with the chance to clinch home ice in the first round with the win of Andrew Kane. Coming off a hat-trick versus Colorado the other night, stays hot. With help from McDavid, rips home his 21st in 40 games with the Oilers, 1-0 Edmonton. Second period, Oiler power play, Leon Dreisaitl, yet another one-timer. That's his 55th. That uh, McDavid kid seems to be a good passer. Connor leading the NHL with 118 points. Three up on Huberto, 2-1 Edmonton. Third period, Jackets will tie it, though. Oliver Bjorkstrand scoops the rebound past Miko Koskinen, ties it up 2-2. And then on a power play, Nick Blakenberg scores his first NHL goal. Blue Jackets going to win it 5-2, so Edmonton will have to wait another day to clinch second in the Pacific. Predators and Wild. Nashville can't be caught by the Canucks, but the Predators still with some work to do to clinch a playoff spot. Down one nothing late first, but with just two seconds to go, 
Philip Forsberg there to bang in his 40th. 13th player to hit the 40 mark in the NHL this season. Second period, Wild take the lead on an ugly one. Joel Erickson Eck in all sorts of traffic in the Predators' crease, but the puck goes in. It's a good goal. 2-1 at that point. It's now 2-2 late second. Also tonight, Leafs and Capitals. Washington looking to become the eighth team in the East to hit the 100-point mark. If they do, it would be the first time in NHL history all eight teams in the playoffs in a conference would be at 100 or better. First period, T.J. Oshie snaps one top corner, his 11th, 1-0 Caps. Third period tied at 1, Caps take the lead. Lars Eller all alone at the top of the crease, easy tap in. 2-1 Washington in front, and just a minute later, Marcus Johansson will go 5-hole on Eric Schalgren. It looked good for the Caps. They're up 3-1, but the Leafs with a goal from Spezza in the final minute have tied it. They're in overtime, tied at 3. North Van hockey sensation Connor Bedard just continues to dazzle every time he hits the ice, whether it's in the Western Hockey League for the Regina Pats or now with Canada at the World Under-18 Championships in Germany. He's on track to be the NHL's number one pick at the 2023 entry draft. Until then, he will just dominate the junior age groups because even though he won't turn 17 until this summer, he is on another level and is truly a human highlight reel, as was on full display today against Germany. Nolan Baumgartner is Canada's head coach. His game plan, play Bedard every second shift. That's smart. Second period, Canada on the power play, and Bedard in the Ovechkin spot rips it. Just like Alex, what a shot. World-class sniper already at age 16. 3-0 Canada. Third period, Canada up just a goal now. Bedard two-on-one break with Adam Fantilli. Now Fantilli fans on it, but then makes a slick back pass to Bedard, who's there for his second, always ready to score, Bedard. 5-3 Canada, and then Bedard will complete the hat trick. And look at this, couple of fakes. And then another laser to the top shelf. Just special skills. 51 goals in the dub this year and already four in two games at this tournament. Canada takes it 8-3, even their record at 1-1. Next up, Czech Republic Tuesday, 6.30 a.m. our time. Baseball today. Blue Jays looking to complete a three-game sweep in Houston against the Astros. Toronto down 4-1, but Lourdes Gurriel Jr. goes deep. His first home run of 2022. Cuts the lead to 4-2. Now 5-2 Houston in the sixth. But Zach Collins, the Jays' new catcher, showing some pop. Hits a towering fly ball to right. That's gone. A three-run homer for Collins. Ties it up 5-5. And, of course, that means Collins gets to wear that homer jacket. Bottom of the eighth, Michael Brantley will serve one out to left. Gurriel decides to make a diving attempt. Misses. Gets past him. But he will go back. This guy's got a great arm. Fires a strike to third baseman Matt Chapman, who tags Brantley out. Great defense by Gurriel Jr. Keeps the game tied. 6-6, goes to extras, and guess who? Lourdes Gurriel Jr. again. This time rips a liner to left. That's going to score Bo Bichette. Blue Jays take the lead 7-6, but they couldn't get any more runs. Had second and third, one out. Couldn't get any more in, and that cost them. Bottom of the 10th, Jordan Romano in for the save. He's already got eight saves this year, 31 straight dating back to last year, but that streak comes to a sudden end when Jeremy Pena takes Romano to deep center. Two-run homer, first blown save in over a calendar year for Romano. Jays fall 8-7. They're still first in the East, though, with a 10-6 record. English Premiership, second place Liverpool, taking on 18th place Everton. Liverpool trying to keep Man City in their sights for the league title. 
62nd minute, Mo Salah, little chip to Andrew Robertson, gives Liverpool the 1-0 lead. Then they will seal the deal. Luis Diaz with the flying scissor kick to Divac Origi. 2-0 Liverpool win. They're a point behind Man City with just five matches each to play. Everton in danger of being relegated for the first time in 71 years. Formula One from Italy, the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix. Red Bull's Max Verstappen on the pole. Verstappen, clean start. Didn't feel much of a push from behind today. And Ferrari, though, had a tough day. Carlos Sainz gets bumped, spins out. His race day done on the first lap. Team Ferrari's reaction? Oh, mamma mia. Lap 53, series leader Charles Leclerc into the wall. Leclerc still managed a sixth-place finish, but he's been around the podium, of course, all season long. But it's uh, Max Verstappen who will take the checkered flag as he wins in Italy. Sergio Perez second, Lando Norris third, Lance Stroll tenth. Verstappen now second in the driver's standings, still 27 points back of Leclerc. NBA playoffs, Golden State Warriors with a chance to become the first team to advance to the second round, looking to sweep Denver. Warriors trailed by as many as 10 mid-fourth, but... That's not a big deal when you got Steph Curry. He had 33 on the day, gives Golden State the lead, but the Nuggets hung tough. Monte Morris with the drive here, hits the floater to give Denver the lead. Now, of course, the Nuggets have been without Canadian Jamal Murray all year due to an ACL suffered in last year's playoffs, so a little undermanned. And then Nikola Jokic finds Will Barton in the corner, nails the three, and... The Nuggets stay alive, beat the Warriors 126-101 or 121, and now trail the series 3-1. Bucks and Bulls, game four, Chicago. This was all Milwaukee and uh, mostly Giannis Antetokounmpo goes coast to coast, banks it in. Bucks 56-41 at the half, and they were never in danger the rest of the way. More from Giannis, who led the way with 32, the defending champs putting down the hammer today in Chicago. 119-95 to take a 3-1 series lead. And final round of the Zurich Classic of New Orleans, a team competition. Xander Schauffele, Patrick Cantley have dominated all week. They played alternate shot format today. Par 5 7th, Cantley cracks a three medal from 260. Perfect draw and gets a friendly bounce to within seven feet. Shockley would knock that in for Eagle, and uh, they were never really challenged. Even on the weekend, they had such a big lead. Shockley taps in on 18 for the win, finish at 29 under, two-shot victory over Sam Burns and Billy Horschel. Neetu, that is all I got for sports. Fantastic. Thanks very much, Barry. And coming up, the one creation that's having a major impact on a Coast Salish artist's career and why. Stay with us. The Salvation Army has been serving the downtown east side for more than 65 years. While the need continues to grow, they have a vision to meet the demand. Nine Stories of Hope will provide essential services to those in need. And revitalize the community. If you want to know, it's on the hub. If you want to know, it's on the hub. If you want to show, it's on the hub. If you want to go, it's on the hub. The Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now. Luke Marston is one of the most prolific Coast Salish artists of his generation, having created some well-known public art here in BC and around the world. But there's one piece that's having the greatest impact of his career. Jay Durant has more in tonight's This is BC. Luke Marston was destined to be an artist. He was born into it. His parents were master carvers and he learned from them at a very young age. 
the whole house would always smell like cedar and so it was good. I, I liked it. While wood has always been his first love, he's been able to branch out into many different mediums like painting and jewelry. Sometimes you just can't even sleep at night and you do all the things you want to make. His biggest creation to date is the Shore to Shore in Vancouver Stanley Park, a tribute to his ancestors, Portuguese Joe and his first and second Coast Salish wives, a piece that took five years to make. It feels amazing. It's a little overwhelming at times. Marston has worked with the Canucks, most recently crafting a tribute feather to the late Rick Rippin. He has a public art piece in Portugal. At the top is a wolf, and what our people, the Coast Salish people, believe is that the wolf and the uh, killer whale are the same. They just transform back and forth to hunt the land in the ocean. But the most significant is a Bentwood box that traveled across Canada so residential school survivors could write down their healing thoughts to put inside. They thought that maybe it might, you know, get full halfway through. The, its journey it traveled for seven years and it, it ultimately it was full within the first place it stopped. Marston is focusing now on carving canoes for travel journeys and in the process helping to inspire the next generation of artists. I just, I'm just grateful to be able to do this and to be able to pass it on to you know, the youth and to be able to keep, um, a, be a small part of keeping our culture alive. Jay Durant, Global News. And if you know someone who has a great story to tell about BC that people need to know about, you can email your ideas to thisisbc at globalnews.ca. That is fantastic. Looking forward to seeing more of Luke's work and its impact. Looking forward to seeing as well some sunshine later <laughs> this week, but in with it is a whole mixed bag of weather. Yeah, even. it'll be sprinkled <laughs> in there. Uh, keep in mind tonight when we take a look at our final five-day forecast, we are going to see that rainfall. It'll take us in towards the morning hours. Be prepared. And the risk of thunderstorms for the morning will be a concern. Should taper off with drier conditions. And then it's on and off, but we'll sprinkle in some sunshine. It'll dry out for tomorrow night. Sunshine on Wednesday. And it's still a few days out as we get in towards the latter half of the week. Uh, but be prepared, especially for the morning hours tomorrow. Well, we could see some rainfall and even the risk of thunderstorms too. And as we mentioned earlier, our thoughts continue to be with those in Manitoba who are dealing with some extreme weather over there. Thank you so much for sharing some of your weekend with us. That's it for tonight. Krista Dow will be here at 11. Have a great night, all.